Welcome to the GeoMob podcast, where we discuss geo-innovation in any and all forms, be it for fun or profit. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the GeoMob podcast. As you might have noticed, winter is in the air, and as a result, ski season has, is here or is shortly about to arrive. So as such, I'm very excited about today's guest. I have with me today Misha Gopal. He is the founder of a company called FatMap which provides a outdoor adventure platform. So I'm going to let uh, Misha dive right in and explain a bit more about what that is and, and how it relates to ski season. Misha, welcome to the show. Hey, Ed, thanks for having us on. So yeah, I mean, I guess I can introduce FatMap briefly, if that's a good place to start. Please, yeah, tell, tell us what exactly is FatMap. So, I mean, there's, there's probably two ways to describe it. Like at a technology level, we're building an outdoor map platform. So every map platform pretty much that's been built until now, Google, Apple, here, Bing, Mapbox, you name it, were built fundamentally to serve urban environments and urban wayfinding problems. And so we're building a, a map for the outdoors. And then the, the product is really a, a kind of 3D map today for the mountains, brings together everything that skiers, hikers, climbers, mountain bikers, trail runners need into one place. It helps them kind of see and understand where they're going much more easily than ever before. So much less technical than than traditional maps or topographic maps or, or to, 2D maps. It helps make better plans and, and ultimately give people more confidence to to go outdoors. And, and our mission with that is really to help yeah, I, make the outdoors more accessible. I've played with the app and, and visually it's, it's really amazing, like how you kind of the 3D maps and, and especially in a mountainous environment, it's really impressive. And so it, w- it was originally started, if I'm not mistaken, as a as an, uh, targeting skiers. Is that right? And and now you've kind of branched out into other outdoor use cases. Give, give us a bit of the history of the of the company. Yeah, so I kind of call the first product our, our Tesla Roadster because it was a very, very niche product targeted at off-piece skiers and backcountry skiers to help them find and follow ski lines in like wild environments, manage risk and, and all sorts of stuff. But the, the, the reason I call it the Tesla Roadster is from a technology point of view, it was it was actually the way we understood how to solve all, all of the kind of problems uh, in, in a kind of very narrow use case. So how do we go and get the right geographic data for the mountains? Uh, how do we do it on a mobile device? How do we offline it? How do we put content on top? How do we build a community around it? How do we integrate live data sources? And, and that kind of whole full stack we built in this kind of very narrow use case for for kind of backcountry skiing and and then you know fr- from there and actually we started with four four ski areas at the time so uh, Chamonix, Zermatt, uh, Tienval d'Isère and Vasquilly and and ultimately what we did was then realize we had more and more people started requesting more and more areas so we built kind of more and more ski resorts and very quickly people started requesting you know wider and wider geographies and very quickly we realized okay we, we, we need to build kind of what i call the model s uh, so that was basically a global 3d outdoor map so something rather obviously rather than streets and cities we mapped kind of every trail mountain you know mountain pass ski lift ski run etc how how did you how did you get this data where, where what kind of sources were you using <laughs> so in many ways that was kind of like the big challenge is like as we kind of dive deeper into every use case we understood we kind of found new challenges where we needed like different data sources and the answer is it's actually a mix and part of what we built 
uh, at the beginning from a technology perspective was actually a pipeline and a map platform to be able to ingest multiple different sources. So satellite data for high resolution elevation models. We use a lot of open data from OpenStreetMap, for example. We also play back quite a lot of data back to OpenStreetMap where that's improved by the community. We also use national uh, mapping data from people like Ordnance Survey, Swiss Topo, IGN, and then the community themselves also produce quite a lot of data. So it was, and then on top of that, there's a whole bunch of like live data sources that we connect to and connect the geodata to. So for example, live ski lift and ski run information uh, or precipitation data to be able to tell you what the current snow snow cover is and things like that. Fantastic. I mean, it's just amazing how, you know, everyone now in the palm of their hand has access to so much data and so many, you know, so many tasks that would have been so difficult previously are now so simple. So, so how long have you been doing this? I mean, give it, give us the history of the business. When did it, it started three, four years ago. Is that right? It's actually closer to seven now. And, uh, oh, wow. okay. <laughs> probably if we, uh, if we knew what we were getting into, we would never have started. And uh, so, yeah, many, many years ago, I guess, like we naively, you know, we weren't, we weren't mapping guys and we naively thought, right, you know, why hasn't someone built, you know, what, what Google's done for streets and cities and, and brought everything into one dynamic, contextual, real-time platform uh, the world over? Why hasn't someone done, done that for the outdoors? Why do we use national topographic uh, maps still, which are kind of uh, yeah. amazing tools if you have the experience and expertise to use them. But actually, they're, they're kind of very, I, I guess they require some experience and they also don't integrate they're not dynamic there's not a community on top of them so we 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 naively thought well you know that shouldn't be too hard. And of course, yeah, here we are seven, seven years later, but we, we started off building this kind of niche product for skiers to solve all of the kind of challenges we had around data acquisition. And actually, I guess that gave us the kind of confidence we suddenly, when we launched the first product, people kind of said, wow, actually this is, st- started asking us for more and more and more and more places. And we thought, okay, maybe there's actually something really interesting here. And so we went a bit further and we we raised some money from angels, also some some uh, seed funds like episode one in the UK and Capnamic in uh, Germany, some strategic investors who I guess were connected and believed in the kind of mission like Jaguar Land Rover's uh, in motion fund and, and some outdoor brands like Mammoth and, and Narona. And the, the idea there was that was the money we raised to build this kind of global map platform for the outdoors. So that took us about, we thought it would take us about 18 months. That took us about three and a half years in the end. Sure. <laughs> how how to go and get all of the actually data acquisition was a really big problem uh, how do we get satellite data that's a good enough resolutions that's fresh enough uh, at an affordable cost and there we you know we're fortunate to find great partners like uh, Digital Globe or like or, or who are called Maxar now, uh, who kind of joined forces with us and, and helped us build a kind of royalty-based model uh, to access like a global data set that's kind of constantly being refreshed. From there, we kind of launched that, like what I call the Model S, this kind of global outdoor map. And it took us a little time to kind of perfect like the I guess product experience to make it a little bit more accessible to people. But once once that kind of about two years ago, that kind of hit an inflection point where we were allowing people to track what they do, we're allowing people to share uh, their knowledge with other people in the community. And uh, we, we kind of think things started to kind of take off within like what I, I call like the kind of more serious adventure market. So we had you know, most mountain guides, ski instructors, outdoor professionals and pro athletes were, were, were kind of adopting the fat map, which was which was awesome uh, and 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 starting to kind of guess put their knowledge into the platform for others 
to connect to. And yeah, from, from there, we've, we, we've then uh, more recently kind of over the last couple of years shifted our focus to building, you know, focusing much more on the product experience. And so going from like what, I guess today what we're doing is building, going from like what this, this tool that we have today, I think like we would call like the product today a bit of a toolbox. So you can, you can see most things that you want to, want to find an answer about the outdoors are in there. You have to dig around a bit. There's any national topo map. There's live snow information. There's elevation heat maps. There's gradient heat maps. You can, you can query the terrain. You can do all of this stuff. And so it's great if you know what question you want to answer. And, and I guess like now that we describe what we're doing is, is building the model three. So a kind of much more accessible product experience into all of this kind of underlying value and so yeah as, as part of that we've set up an office in in chamonix france so we the team is today based around we started life in the uk but incubated out of geovation the the incubation hub for ordnance survey set up and then we people like michael halbert kind of joined kind of invested uh, very early and helped me build a team in berlin Just a lot of the kind of original guys from nokia michael haber was the was the ceo of uh, nokia maps that became here uh, maps and uh, helped us build a team who, who knew how to build a map platform um because actually we we really had no idea. We just, I guess, knew the problem we were trying to solve. Um, well, I mean, congratulations. How, how big is the team now? But I guess more more importantly, how have you gone about attracting this talent? Because that's a challenge we hear continually from from startup founders is that, you know, there, there are way more ideas than there are people to execute on the ideas. And, and particularly some of the skills, as, as you said, in the beginning, it's about kind of building the toolbox. And, and merging all these data sets and things like that. But then you very rapidly get into the challenge, of course, of you know, the usability issue, particularly on mobile. And, and it's, it's really difficult to find ways to make all this data accessible and understandable and intuitive for the users. So, you know, how, how have you kind of gotten the people on the team to help with these challenges? What's, what's the trick? Yeah, so I'm not, <laughs> I'm not sure what the trick is. I guess at every stage, it's been kind of the problem has been slightly different. So at the very beginning, our biggest problem was how do we do 3D rendering on a mobile device? And this was like no one had really done this properly before. And I was was lucky to meet Paulius Likis, who was one of the original developers of the Unity gaming engine. And we built a team out in Vilnius who was basically we built our own 3D rendering engine for mobile. Wow. And so that was, I guess, like, people who were really excited about solving this very deep technical problem. Uh, it wasn't particularly verticalized. And actually, then we were still umming and ahhing about what, whether we would build a kind of more horizontal platform for multiple use cases. And then the kind of next phase was really the underlying map platform. And, and there, uh, that was kind of Michael really helped me build a, a team out in, in Berlin who really understood like this technical problem. And then I, I think like now we're focused like very much on solving problems for people who love the outdoors. And you know, it, was a, it was a friend who said to me a few years ago, she said, you know, it, it really strikes me that what you're ultimately building is the digital Patagonia. And the best way for you to solve that, <laughs> the talent problem is to, is to build the company that the, those people are excited about building. And, you know, that kind of led us to opening an office in uh, Chamonix. So we literally sat at the kind of foot of Mont Blanc. You can see, you can see Mont Blanc and the Aiguille de Midi out the window behind me. And, you know, I think that's two things, right? One, it's bringing on board people who really understand the use case, who who actually are immersed in the problem that we're solving, not just at a technical level, but a, a kind of user and product level, using the product every day. Right. And uh, and yeah, and believe in the and understand the value that we're trying to bring to the world, I guess. And so, so do you have like mandatory ski runs or whatever at, <laughs> at six in the morning? Everyone has to everyone has to do a certain number of up and downs the mountains or. Uh... 
or no? Yeah, no, there's definitely, yeah, there's, 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 everyone is out together all the time. You know, I guess Yvonne Chionard said, uh, let my people go surfing. And I guess like we, we, we would say kind of, you know, people tend to come in late on a powder day or whatever. In, in, in the winter, and that's kind of fine with us. We, we call it testing the product, right? So, yeah. Well, it's fascinating because we, you know, over the last couple of years, I guess partially as a result of, of COVID and the lockdowns, Seems like everyone wants to now get outdoors, right? And and we've seen so many different apps and services and websites or whatever that are aimed at taking all this data that's now available and making it easier for people to get outdoors, but often with very different use cases. So, you know, maybe one for parents with small children or maybe one for people who are not, you know, people who just want to go for a leisurely walk. Maybe they're not particularly adventurers or anything. But And then and then you're. it seems like FatMap is kind of more kind of at the... The much more adventurous side of things, you know. How do you see that? I mean, is it is it better to have a very micro-targeted niche app, or is it better to build just a palette of tools and then adapt the product for each different use case? Or what's your take on that? How do you how do you see the market? Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know what's better. I guess the way we think about it is like at the at the core, our mission is to help make the outdoors uh, and today very much mountains more accessible, and so. I guess we've got a reputation as the kind of more serious, as you say, kind of more adventurous community because of the kind of early adopter community. And like, whilst that's, I guess, like the the niche we started in, you know, the ambition yeah. for us is to make it accessible to anyone, you know, whether that's a, a walk in the in the in the forest with your kids or or you're heading for an expedition to, you know, the, the, the greater ranges. And, you know, I guess that that kind of guides us really. Like we just think about how do we make the outdoors more accessible, pr- provide information people can trust, you know, help people see the mountains as they are in real life to make better decisions uh, for themselves, no matter what their adventure. And I guess it, it, in that sense, like we we see ourselves moving away from being just a tool for people to use, but more of a platform to allow like the, the, the communities, yeah, to come to come together and share information that's relevant for them. So not just yeah, how is yeah. how is that evolved because i've often read that people you know many businesses start with the idea of like kind of like oh we'll have a community and then at some point it's kind of like the community takes on a life of its own right and, and it's no longer really fully under your control it, which, which can be fantastic because community members kind of take over things but it could also be bad right if, if things start going in maybe in a direction you don't like so What's been your experience there? How do you? Uh, yeah, it was it kind of. It's kind of interesting. I think that, that there are a lot of like obviously location. <laughs> you know, we're, we're, we're on the GMO podcast, but like location is the key thing about the outdoors, right? And and so our yeah. our realization was that the, the, we don't actually need to create the community. All of these com- communities actually already exist in real life. The, the, there are existing connections mm-hmm. between people, and simply by serving those people and allowing them to more easily share information with each other, you know, you you essentially have a community. So we think of it more as enabling people, and that started off with you know building. I guess better route discovery, so helping people kind of you know know where the locals go, or helping locals share information with each other about the best conditions. But 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 more and more, you're right. It's taking on a life of its own. We have you know we every time we add more activities to the platform. I think we we, we have about thirty or thirty five now from from of course like the classics like trail running, hiking, mountain biking, uh, skiing, etc. But also you know stuff like horse riding and stand-up paddle sure. boarding and snowmobiling and stuff. And, and actually what we realize is the, these are there are these existing communities out there, for example, of snowmobilers or you know, who, who, who want to share information with each other. And until now, they haven't really had a platform to do that. And so I guess, yeah, we think about 
community about just kind of giving the tools to the community, like thinking about ourselves more like a platform and, and then letting those communities guide us as to what they need. And, and then, of course, the product challenge is to client and create one experience that's, that's relevant across, across a broad enough section of them. Okay. So, um, I mean, the year is, is drawing to a close. So what the plans for 2022? What do you guys have on the, on the drawing board? What's go, what comes next? Well, we're looking, I mean, we always started in, uh, off as a ski product and in, in a way like many, in many ways, this is still kind of at the, the, the heart of what we do. And it's our, uh, the biggest kind of use case in the product, I guess. It's our busiest season. I think there are fewer, fewer products solving that problem. And so we, yeah, we, we guess we're excited about ski resorts opening for the first time properly in, in the, in the last couple of years. And sure. so fingers crossed that happens. And so we've been working really hard on, on bringing more and more content to the product so, and more and more data so live snow information now across europe and north america and actually you know hopefully early next year sometime will be global so you'll be able to see real-time snow information about how much snow there is anywhere at at a click of a button things we've we've now got like many tens of thousands of uh, pistes lifts ski runs mapped with live data so you can see if they're running or not and then we're, we're we're kind of bringing I guess more accessible route planning tools. So how do I get from A to B? Uh, how long is that going to take me? And so there's there's quite a bit of work happening then for next year. And is that all technology you're building kind of in house, or are you using kind of standard open source tools, or how how are you going about that? Yeah. So with the the whole that we own the whole platform, we built the whole platform from scratch. I mean, we, we not by desire, but rather by necessity. That every time we huh. we tried to build something, we realized that the existing like platforms didn't allow us to do that. I mean, may, nowadays, there's more and more kind of tools have emerged out there that didn't exist uh, once upon a time, but it enables us to be able to control control the experience. So yeah, generally speaking, like everything we're doing is we're building in our, in our own platform, which is, I guess, more expensive and time consuming, but ultimately we think results in like a, a better experience it means we can we can build these things specifically to work offline for example and yeah. uh, and and other things that like maybe aren't possible if you're integrating with like lots of different apis are you is the community or like the the, the lead users are they asking for a lot of a lot more features and like very weird what, what are the weirdest kind of use cases and what are the craziest places people have gone i mean are people going to like antarctica and stuff or they they, they do <laughs> one of the big questions on our mind is we currently built the platform on a mercator projection since we're on a geo podcast and so we actually right, uh, we yeah. only cover some parts of antarctica but yeah we think we recently published a map of like where everyone is going and it's actually really interesting to see because you really see the kind of the the, the things in strange far-flung wonderful places places and we're looking at ways in which we can kind of bring that activity to the surface and, and until now cool. the, we'll, we'll, we'll have to get that in the show notes so that people can have a look yeah no no absolutely yeah. i mean until, until now like a, a, you know people connect their their trackers if you have a garmin a Sunto, your your strava and, and you, it builds you obviously you kind of your own map where you can see where 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 you've been and we're using that to kind of improve trail data so know if trails are suitable for mountain bikes or or know if a trail is suitable for hiking but uh, we're also looking at how we can uh, allow users to kind of selectively share some of that information with with maybe other users on the on the platform oh right of course yeah of course it's kind of well that that's an interesting angle it's not just i mean there are so many pieces right there's planning the trip you know the tools that you use ahead of time then there's actually being on the trip and then there's after the trip right sharing the memories and the 
the pitchers and all this kind of things. And yeah, it's an interesting dynamic. So, well, for, first of all, congrats to you and the team for, for all the progress and, and what you've built. What lessons can you share that maybe other, other founders who are out there listening could uh, take with them on their startup journey? Let's say <laughs> someone... If you if you were if you were doing it again, you know, if you were in your your shoes from five years ago or so, what what do you what do you wish had done differently? That's a great question. I mean, in many ways, building a startup is a uh, is an exercise in making many mistakes and, and trying to make sure none of the ones that you <laughs> you make kill you and uh, you learn as fast yeah. as possible. I, I think we, I mean, there, uh, there's different ways to kind of look at that question. I think we would have thought more carefully about certain technology choices that we've made, which which uh, which were which were great in the short term and, and and create more challenges in the long term. So we we built our, our applications, for example, on React Native. Uh, which had some some fantastic advantages early on, and 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 now is you know maybe maybe less so. You know, I, I think in the end it comes really down to two things: like the the team that you build and the the people around you. And those it's actually the people who've made the the biggest difference. I mean, today we have a we have about forty people, and when I look back, I think all of the thing all the amazing things we've done, the things that were improbable that we were like, wow, I can't believe we managed to do that. Uh, that's really down to to the the people and so spending time you know the kind of cliche is uh, you know hire slow uh, and i think i would tell myself to hire even slower and, and actually really really make sure you have the, the right team on board and the, the second thing I, I really would have would have done was we we started in a very narrow use case but we went global very quickly and so today i think no single country has more than about 15 percent of our user base uh, so wow um, and that's great <laughs> in one sense, but it, of course, creates more challenges around having net, building network effects. And actually, the product requirements, it's just surprising how different skiing is in North America as an activity than it is in Europe. Mm. And so, yeah, focusing on a much narrower geography probably would have been something we would have done in hindsight. But, you know, may, maybe now we've survived our way through it. Uh, it. It's kind of an advantage as well. So it's one of those things. There are no really... <laughs> right ways to do yeah. this. <laughs> it's uh, i mean you know the uh, having outgrown your technology is in some ways you know the good problem to have because it means you you live long enough to even get to that point so it's yeah. always a balance but but yeah okay very very useful insights thank you if, if the conversation has has raised questions for listeners uh, how can they best get in touch with you what's what's the best way to learn more so we have uh, you know, active community groups on social networks uh, so you can join the, the community on on uh, facebook uh, as well but um you know hit us up uh, we're always happy to hear from everyone at hello at famlab.com actually that is that is monitored by our team it comes straight into one of our slack channels so i see it most of the team look at it so we love hearing from people uh, love hearing uh, what they like what the challenges are you know we, we we try and listen as much as we we can to to the community and what they want and respond so yeah we, we we'd, we'd love to hear from people uh, hit us up hello at fatmap.com or, or get in touch on on any of the channels twitter facebook uh Instagram, etc. Okay, excellent. I, well, I do really do recommend to all listeners that they uh, check it out. I mean, even if you're not particularly into the outdoors, just the the visual experience, the 3D maps are really quite impressive, uh, particularly uh, as you mentioned in in the mobile scenario. So um, it's it's well worth taking a look just for the the technical implementation. Thanks very much, Misha. All the best to you and the FatMap team for a great 2022. And uh, thanks for coming on the show. Hey, pleasure. Thanks for having me. 
Thanks everyone for joining us today and listening to the GMOP podcast. Hopefully you've enjoyed the discussion. Please don't hesitate if you have any feedback for us or any suggestions for topics that we should cover in the future. You can get the show notes over on the website, which is at thegeomob.com. While you're there, if you're not yet on the mailing list, please do get on the mailing list where we once a month send out an email announcing future events, summarizing past events, and just generally sharing uh, events that you may find of interest. You can also, of course, follow us on Twitter, where our handle is geomob. You can follow Steven at Steven Feldman. You can follow me at Fryfogel. You can check out Mappery at mappery.org. And of course, if you need any geocoding, please check out my service, which is opencagedata.com. We look forward to you joining us again at a future episode, and of course, seeing you at a future GeoMop event. Hope to see you there soon. Bye.